What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we continue our series preview, uh, previewing each SEC team ahead of the 2023 football season. Today, we're talking the Ole Miss Rebels with our buddy Stephen Willis. Can Quinshawn Judkins repeat what he did a year ago? And who will win that quarterback job in Oxford? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network covering your team every day. All right, let's jump right into it. Welcome in our special guest, our buddy Stephen Willis. He is host of uh, Locked on Ole Miss and covering all things Ole Miss Rebels. Stephen, welcome in. We are uh, uh, SEC Media Days is about to be upon us. That means you know we're ever so closer to the start of another college football season. Can you feel it? No, it's right around the corner. I'm I'm so excited because we are trying to find storylines right now. We're just digging them out, and after SEC Media Days, at least they'll write themselves. It gets easy after that. So we got about a week left. Uh, let's before we dive into it. What's the uh, overall fan base of the Ole Miss Rebels feeling right now? Because you know I was there at the Texas Bowl in Houston and didn't go exactly how you wanted it to in the loss to Texas Tech and you know finishing the season on a four game losing streak, losing five of the last six after you know starting seven and zero. What's what's the fan base? What's the vibe right now with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels? It's kind of mixed, honestly. Um, there's some people that just kind of some battered fans that have gone through this before they're like okay here we go again and they're kind of taking that mindset going into this season basically treating it like when Matt Luke was still here and it was that era in Ole Miss football but whenever people are smart and they kind of look at the roster of what's going on this is probably the most talented roster Ole Miss has put on the field in the last 40 years now the last four games of the season, it did not go well. I mean, there's no other way you can put it. But if you look at it, the LSU game in the second half did not go well, but Zach Evans did not play in that game. Same thing happened. Zach Evans got hurt against Alabama, and it still went down to the last play of the game. And then all of the Lane Kiffin to Auburn stuff started to where all this noise kind of hit the system. So that affected, I don't care what anybody said, that affected the way they practiced, prepared, everything going into that Arkansas and Mississippi State game. And honestly, at the end of that, the Texas Bowl, Lane Kiffin called that game like a nine-year-old playing Madden. There was no punts in the first half going for it from your own six-yard line. You can't tell me that they took that overly seriously. So you can't really judge the end of the last season in a way that you can point forward to 2023 for Ole Miss. Because you look at it, they've got the best running back in college football in Quinshawn Judkins. They've got potentially the best quarterback room in the Southeastern Conference. Maybe not the top end guy, but the depth, they're, they're four deep at the moment. Um, wide receivers, they got two all-conference players coming in. The offensive line, they got four or five starters returning. Uh, this has a chance to be an offense that's on the level of what Tennessee did last year. Now, defensively, I'm sure we're going to have other questions. But offensively, I think that explosiveness and the whole offense sells tickets, 
that's going to juice the fan base up and national analysts and all of that leading into football season pretty much starting next week. Well, let's start there, Stephen, and we'll hold off on quarterback because that's that's the biggie we'll get to last in this conversation. But let's talk about some of the offensive weapons. I know a guy that you're extremely high on, a transfer coming in at the tight end spot in Caden Priestcorn from uh, uh, Memphis. I know that he's a guy that, you know, like I said, you have high expectations for. You think can be a big uh, factor. You, you know, you got Michael Trigg still in the mix. Uh, and then receivers, some turnover there, some new faces uh, just talk about the pass catchers and where are you on on them as a whole? Well, last year was kind of a unique situation in a Lane Kiffin offense. Um, they were having to play Casey Kelly at tight end because Michael Trigg got hurt and there was just nobody else. After that, it was a true freshman. So they went out and got Caden Priestcorn. And Caden Priestcorn is a player that I refer to as a middle-of-the-field monster. He dominates it. He does. He is that old-school tight end like Harrison Bryant that we're used to seeing in Lane Kiffin offenses. Michael Trigg, kind of the Evan Ingram type tight end, kind of the jumbo wide receiver type. So what I think you're going to see is less 11 personnel and maybe more um, 12 personnel with one back and two tight ends. And instead of a slot receiver, you're going to see Michael Trigg and his 245-pound body and can run like a deer matched up on safeties and linebackers and then play in mismatches. And then you could have Caden Priestcorn as an attached or unattached tight end at the line of scrimmage and kind of run the offense the same way they have. But the matchups could happen whenever you have somebody like Michael Trigg that you can get off the line of scrimmage and what he is going to get the attention of the defense on, I think that situation will make it to where Caden Priestcorn is even more effective in the middle of the field, and I think you're going to see a different pass game from Ole Miss this year. Let, let's talk about the running back because we know, you know, look, Quinchon Judkins, it was basically him and Rocket Sanders all last year vying for, you know, who's going to finish this season as the leading rusher in the SEC. Quinchon does. Um, but it looks like, you know, you, like you mentioned, you, you lose Zach, but you get Ulysses Bentley back, who didn't really factor in much last year, was a big-time runner at SMU, you know, battled injuries and stuff last year. But what do you make of that two-headed attack with Quinchon Judkins, Ulysses Bentley? Uh, I know Matt Jones is in there and some talented freshmen coming in as well. Yeah, Ulysses Bentley last year uh, in the second or third game broke his wrist. Um, so that's the reason he was basically ineffective for the remainder of the football season. But in the spring game, Ulysses Bentley really showed out. He honestly looked like a plus Jerry and Ely, if you remember what that looked like in the spring game. And that complimenting Quinshawn, it's absolutely a thunder and lightning type situation. Now, I am really, really high on the true freshman they're bringing in, Kedra Criscano, um, the running back out of New Caney, Texas. This was an MVP of the Polynesian Bowl. And, you know, most people hear a bowl game, a high school all-star game, and it's like, well, it's either the Under Armour game or the Army game. But the thing about the Polynesian Bowl is it's become kind of a second destination for all-star players. So some players that played in those earlier games might play a little bit later in the Polynesian Bowl. Well, Keecher Criscano's first all-star game was that Polynesian Bowl. He went over 100 yards, got the MVP in the game. And honestly, if you look at his highlights and what he does, he does a lot of things similarly to what Quinshawn did. You saw some of the same stuff on film. I'm not calling him Quinshawn. I'm saying that Ole Miss is running backs. Ole Miss has a type when it comes to running backs, and he can do a lot of the same thing. And I expect him to be really effective as a freshman 
and this running back room as itself. It might it might only be a three headed monster, but man, is it an effective three headed monster. Who is going to win the starting quarterback job? We'll talk about that coming up in just a second with more with Stephen Willis. We continue on here on Locked On SEC in just a sec. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. And this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs is doing their part to make you guys look good throughout these summer months into the start of the fall where we know it's hot across the south. You need your Bird Dogs. They've got the stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through your thigh. They give your legs that sculpted look when you're walking around, uh, whether you're uh, at the park, you're tailgating, whatever you're doing, Bird Dogs, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they they fit way better. Uh, they fit way better than those regular shorts that are made that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs is taking care of you and making you look good throughout the summer. And uh, don't forget to go check them out over at birddogs.com slash college. Why do you want to put that in? Well, when you enter that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that's going to get you the free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college. Use our promo code Locked On College for that free Yeti style tumbler. You will not want to take your bird dogs off all summer long. We promise you, birddogs.com slash locked on college. And jumping back into it with our buddy Stephen Willis, host of Locked On Ole Miss. And uh, Stephen, let's uh, dive right into it, man. Quarterback battle. We know, uh, you know, Jackson Dart is back. We know Luke Altmeyer left, he's now at Illinois. But you hit the, hit up the transfer portal. You bring in Walker Howard, who was the big five-star freshman who signed a year ago with LSU. And you bring in the senior transfer, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, who's got enough skins on the wall, probably more than, than any other quarterback in the SEC, you know, when we talk about it collectively and, and the number of starts he's had in his career. But let's dive into it, man. We saw the spring game. Thought both guys looked good. Dart and Sanders had some nice moments. Uh, I guess we're kind of expecting Walker Howard's going to be third string or, or backup or whatever, but where are we right now with the season coming up a little over a month away? You know, I I talked about this like, you know, I've, you can imagine I've talked about this quarterback competition since January, but I talked about how for Jackson Dart, this is like Mike Tyson's punch out used to be. And, and as a freshman, um, he went up against, I don't know, um, Piston Honda, and then Bald Bull was up next with Luke Altmaier. Well, now he's like fighting Super Macho Man, and he's trying to work towards the big boss because Spencer Sanders, everybody came in, and they're expecting more and more of an effort and to be had to win the job. And Jackson, by all accounts, is well ahead in this um, competition. He's had one interception during spring. He's running the offense. He's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And I, I think he is going to win the job. Now, there's still some water left to th- flow under the bridge. And Spencer Sanders could come out and be absolutely unbelievable and fall. And Jackson Dart could fall apart. But I, I do think Jackson Dart will be the ultimate winner in this competition. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Now, I will say this. Whoever loses this quarterback job... I expect them to be the third quarterback and not the backup. I do think Walker Howard will be the backup regardless. Um, whoever gets, whoever wins the job, the first quarterback that comes in off the bench in mop-up time will be Walker Howard. And also, don't overlook Austin Simmons. I expect him to flash a little bit this fall, the um, little left-handed freshman from Florida. 
It, it's interesting, Stephen, because I had some people ask me, you know, would one of, will the loser of this battle hit the transfer portal? And it, it, the vibes I get, and for those who don't remember, Lane Kiffin took the quarterback battle into the season last year. I mean, we were into week one, week two, and still didn't kind of know who the solidified starter was. There were, he was still playing both guys. Uh, if he takes that same approach this year, and, and we'll get in the schedule a little bit, but you open with Mercer, I mean, you could really give both guys a half in that game and let it kind of play out and kind of see. Uh, I, I mean, is that kind of what, what you expect at this point? Maybe what could happen that week one game? Man, I hope not, uh, honestly. The quarterback situation, if it continues to what we've heard now, if if Lane Kiffin tried to do that, it would be disingenuous at best. Um, by week three of fall camp, they probably should decide the quarterback unless it truly tightens up. And through open scrimmages and that, Pete, we're going to have enough times to get eyes on what's going on um, to be able to make our own decision on that. Um, but I hope it doesn't go into the season because last season – I think that the way he handled the quarterback situation at the beginning of the year hurt Ole Miss at the end of the year at the quarterback position. That stunted Jackson's development. If he'd have gotten a full game against Troy and against Central Arkansas, you may have had a different situation whenever he was up in Fayetteville. And I mean, that's just my opinion there. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, what do you make of the – I mean, I love what we saw from Sanders' running ability and, and just his arm he showed off throughout all those years at, at Oklahoma State. It just feels like, man, what a talent. Uh, if he doesn't win it, I mean, him being with where he is, a senior, I mean, do you think there's a chance he enters the portal again? It just feels like this late in the game, it would be tough for him to go somewhere else and start. Yeah, I, I you, would, you would think so. He would almost have to drop down to like an – um, FCS type level and do that for just six months and then go into the NFL draft. Now it's possible if he could graduate and there's a chance, I guess he graduated in the end of June and, and he's completely free to do his grad transfer thing now. But I, I mean, I don't know one way or another on that, but the grad transfer, the graduation will be the most important thing of whether or not Spencer Sanders is at Ole Miss or he's at another school. If he loses the job, in my opinion. Yeah, and on the flip side, if Dart doesn't win the job, keep in mind he's already transferred from USC once. You know, if he transfers somewhere, is he eligible immediately? Again, the NCAA is seeming like they're going to start to crack down again on the whole yeah. transfer thing and kind of police the portal a little bit more. So just going to be a fascinating one. If you had to make a – and I know you'll be previewing this all throughout, um, you know, the, the next couple of weeks, but give me your vibe right now, second week of July, who, who's going to be the starter week one? Yeah, right now I think it's going to be Jackson Dart, and I do think the backup is going to be Walker Howard. Okay. Um, that's the way I just, in my opinion, the way it's going to go down. And everything I've heard, I have not heard one negative thing about Jackson Dart this summer. Period. Everything everybody's talking about. I even I've even interviewed players and all that, and not necessarily tried gotcha questions, but just tried to pry information and try and find nuggets out and. Everybody is pushing, pulling one way. And which tells me last season, at the end of the year, Jackson Dart, who actually got better individually as the team kind of sunk down a little bit, I think he kind of won over the team at the end of last year to where it is his team. And whoever's going to take the job is going to have to actually take the job. And not only that, they're going to have to convince the team that he needs to be the quarterback. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tall hill for Spencer Sanders right now. 
One more before we flip to uh, the schedule, Stephen. Let's jump to the other side of the ball uh, defensively. Pete Golding coming in. Uh, you know, look, I don't know how much they showed in the spring game, but it looks like they still have some work to do. We saw at times last year that defense, um, you know, that they, they, they could have busted coverages at time and times and give up uh, some big yards. Um, but they've got some pieces back when you talk about Seastrunk uh, and you know, obviously some of the guys uh, that, that have really caught win this spring some of the freshmen and transfers coming in um give me an overall thought on this defense um first of all if it, lane kiffin is a master of making the spring game meaningless to scout from <laughs> he is an absolute master this year he decided that pete golding was going to have three defenses that he could call he would not be allowed to blitz the coaches at the under armor game had more freedom of calling a defense and they had a week of practice leading up to it so whenever you look at that spring game score, they're like, oh my goodness, the defense has a problem. No, it was intentional that the defense would have a problem. Now, I think whenever the, this game happens and all of the depth pieces, because Ole Miss has been unbelievably active in the secondary transfer portal window based off of defensive players. There's been defensive backs coming in like constantly. They can go three deep now with people that have played defensive back at the college level defensively. Similar situation on the defensive line. They brought in a bunch of guys, space eaters, pass rushes. They're set. The one thing that's interesting to me is when all of that happened, they did not bring in one linebacker. And that tells me what they think Suntarian Perkins is. Yeah, give, give me a quick thought on him because he was the name that, that we heard all throughout the spring. And I know I've talked with you, with you about him a couple times, but true freshman coming in, but an immediate impact player, right? Yes. Um, the comp, honestly, would probably be Harold Perkins. and I mean, that would be the comp. He has never stepped on a football field in his entire life when he wasn't the best player on it, and that includes the Under Armour All-American game. Um, quick thought on pass rushers. Uh, give me a quick thought. Who do you think is going to lead the team in sacks this year? I think it's going to be Cedric Johnson. I, I, I think he has the build and everything to do it, but I mean, Jared Ivey's a really good player. Isaac Ukwu, the transfer from James Madison, obviously he's kind of a workhorse. But there's a three-man rotation at defensive end that I think is going to be dangerous moving into this season. But I think Cedric Johnson has a chance to take advantage of the lack of double teams that the interior, that defensive line, is going to cause finally with the addition of Josh Harris and J.J. Pegues playing a true three technique instead of a nose guard and stuff like that. You have you have some more one-on-ones that are going to happen on the outside, and I think Cedric Johnson is enough of a little bit of an athletic freak to um, get home a little bit more. A lot of transfers in that secondary, but I see a lot of senior transfers, so guys with experience, mm-hmm. uh, overall concern level for the, that secondary and just all those guys gelling together. I, I'm not concerned about the cornerback position. I think they're going to be fine at cornerback. I am concerned about the safety position. Um, whenever you look I, like John Saunders, the transfer from Miami, Ohio, is probably going to move to free safety. Now you have like Ishim Young and those guys, Ladarius Tennyson, that's played a little bit of football, but you lo- lose A.J. Finley. And nobody realizes how important A.J. Finley was to that defense as bad as it was last year. So they need somebody to kind of sit back there, play center field, play quarterback, to make sure everybody's lined up in front of them. And if they have that, it's going to make the defense even more effective. Because 
like Greg McElroy said, they think the front seven has the chance to be a top top half of the SEC front seven, and I agree with that. The back end of the defense needs to hold their end up, or it could be a little bit, a bit of a problem. All right, coming up next, we will run through the schedule and figure out what's a realistic expectation for Rebel fans in 2023. All right, continuing on here on Locked On SEC, and it's our Ole Miss preview special. And our buddy Stephen Willis is joining us, host of Locked On Ole Miss. And, uh, Stephen, as we look at how this schedule shapes up, you know, kind of similar to last year in that, you know, a bunch of games at the front end of the schedule do you expect to win, but, man, oh, man, do you open up SEC play uh, with just a big uh, gut punch in week four going to Tuscaloosa. But let's start with the the front end of the schedule. Home game against Mercer, we know that's the tune-up game. On the road at Tulane becomes a little bit tougher game than you would have thought a year ago. It's a Tulane team that brings back Michael Pratt at quarterback. Uh, you know they just beat uh, what USC in the in the bowl in their bowl game. So a little bit more seasoned, better Tulane team than maybe you would think. And then Georgia Tech with you know new coach and new pieces and all that. But just give me a quick thought on the front end of the schedule and how this sets up as you gear up for that September twenty third game in Tuscaloosa. I think that people are going to go down to New Orleans and expect to drink like whenever we play Tulane in the Super Bowl, Superdome, and they're going, they're going to realize it's 130 degrees with 100% humidity, and people <laughs> are going to be getting dehydrated by midway through the second quarter, and there's going to be a football game happening. Now, realistically, I don't think Tulane can win that game. Um, Ty J. Spears being gone, he, he's probably the best, best pro prospect to come out of Tulane since Matt Forte, um, and him being gone, it's going to be effective. I think their second running back transferred to Florida as well. So their running game is a little bit of an issue. I do like Michael Pratt. I don't think it's going to be like um, whenever they went up to Oxford a couple of years. It's going to be a closer game. But I do think Ole Miss is going to win that game. I think, honestly, the tougher game um, on, in that first three-game set is the Georgia Tech game. Um, this is not the team that Ole Miss is going to that played last year. Brent Key is going to have them ready to go, and then after a trip to Tulane and before a trip to Tuscaloosa, right in the middle of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So, just I mean, if we're being realistic here, though, barring you know something just going catastrophically wrong against Tulane or Georgia Tech, you expect them to be three and zero going into Tuscaloosa, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Anything less than three and zero is not acceptable for Ole Miss fans. Give me a thought on that Bama game, though. It feels like where it falls is probably good for Ole Miss because Ole Miss will feel good about whoever their quarterback is. Alabama, I mean, here we are, Stephen, in mid-July. We still don't know who the Bama starting quarterback is, and this is the first time we've had this question in a while. Uh, maybe that works in Ole Miss's favor? Yeah, you know, I, I told people just last week that if any other team had the number of questions that Alabama had for this season – they'd be talking about a Music City Bowl team. Right. <laughs> but since this is Alabama, they get the benefit of the doubt because they'll figure it out. Nick Saban's going to figure it out. But new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback, freshman running back. Now, Jace McClellan, I get that. Offensive line. And also, you can't name. If you had to name a wide receiver at Alabama, it, one just doesn't pop up your head. And that's that's a new situation. Now, so I would look at this thing and I was like, this is the year that Ole Miss can get them. Ole Miss can get Alabama and Tuscaloosa. And then I thought, well, there was a 3-8 and eight Alabama team that played Eli Manning and won 42-7. I am not well and willing to just go out on a limb for that one. I'm much more likely to pick Ole Miss to beat LSU the next week, who has a better team than what Alabama has. 
Interesting. And, and that's where I think, you know, if you told Ole Miss fans, um, you know, that game at Alabama and then the game against LSU, if you go one and one in that stretch, you'll feel really good about yourself winning one of those. Uh, but let's talk about how the rest of it settles. You get two home games after the Bama game, home against LSU, home against Arkansas, then on the road at, a, at an Auburn uh, team that, look, the Hugh Freeze reunion, the storyline's right itself. But, I mean, of those four games, would you, would you take two and two as an Ole Miss fan? Uh, you uh, the LSU, Arkansas, Auburn, and Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn. Yeah, yeah, I think you almost have to, but I do think there's a situation to where Ole Miss beats either LSU or Alabama and then loses to Auburn because that game is going to be their Super Bowl. <laughs> if it's at nighttime and Jordan Hare, that has a chance to get absolutely wild. Think of think Tennessee in 2021. That is what that game could be um, in Auburn. And I do think that is a possibility. I think that Ole Miss is going to be up for LSU. I think LSU is going to see a different version than they saw um, from Ole Miss last year. You saw a fragile team in Baton Rouge last year. Whenever things started to go wrong, it just snowballed on them. I don't think that that team will exist because they went through the end of last season. They've been through some more stuff, and it's not all young players I think that game will be interesting, and it'll be really interesting who Pete Golden, who has a little bit of a vendetta against Jaden Daniels because that game was won by Jaden Daniels against Alabama and Baton Rouge last year. I, I think they're going to come up a way to understand the speed. There's not going to be so much of a surprise factor in year two of Jaden Daniels. I've got Ole Miss at 5-2 and two at that point. Home game against Vandy. Look, I know Vandy snuck up and beat Florida and, and Kentucky last year. You can't lose to Vanderbilt, so we'll give them that one. Uh, that'll put them at 6-2 and two in my book. The November 4th game against A&M, that's an interesting one because uh, they scored late on, on Ole Miss last year to make it a little bit closer than it needed to be, but um, we have no idea what A&M is going to be, but at home – in Oxford, feels like one that Ole Miss has to win, right? Yeah, and, and Texas A&M do, does not beat Mississippi schools. They'll beat LSU and then lose to Mississippi State and Ole Miss in a season. I mean, that that has happened multiple years in a row. And I think Texas A&M is just at the point right now of just show me. You have to prove to me that you can win this game before I take it seriously. And it's a game where I understand they have a ton of talent. They have all the money in the world. They have all of this stuff. They have Bobby Petrino coming in for the Real Housewives of College Station. And it should be a really funny thing by that point in the season. But I, until Texas A&M beats Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I'm just going to assume they're not going to. The last three games of the season, by the way, just for my, my sake, I've got them at 7-2 and two at this point. Uh, at mm -hmm. Georgia, I just – Come on, it's Georgia. It's yeah, going to be tough. Yeah, we'll give Georgia. them a loss there, 7-3. and three. Home yeah. game against UL Monroe gets you to 8-3. and three. And then the Iron Bowl. It's in Starkville this year. Egg um, Bowl. Egg Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Egg Bowl. We'll see what <laughs> uh, see what Mississippi State looks like. Look, the Mike Leach air raid system's gone, but Will Rogers is back. We had Mike Wright, the uh, quarterback for Vandy. He's transferred in, and I, I think they're going to have some packages for him. We had him on the show last week. Um, but, look, not – you know, not tough to say Ole Miss can't win that game. I mean, I think eight, nine wins, Stephen, is, is pretty doable with the schedule. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with nine and three. That's that's kind of where I am at the moment. Now, do you want my hot take? Mike Wright will start the Egg Bowl for Mississippi State. That is my wow. hot take. Yeah, um, I, I really like Mike Wright as a quarterback and them running the Appalachian State-type offense. 
I think he's a pretty good fit for what they're going to want to do. Um, so we'll see exactly what happens. Their schedule is just just absolutely terrible, though. But I I think nine and three is a good place. Now that's that's five and three in the SEC. That is probably good enough to get you to a I don't know which of the access bowls it is, but if you lose to LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, there's not many people going to hold that against you. You might squeak into whatever the Cotton Bowl equivalent is this season. Um, or you're down in Orlando, which I would like that. That's down here near me. But I, I, I think everybody would be excited about that. But the one thing that Ole Miss fans are kind of coming around to, Lane Kiffin's making $9 million a year. $9 million a year basically means the floor is like eight or nine wins. You, you can no longer pull a seven and five making $9 million a year. And I think we need to slowly get into that realm as a fan base. Yeah, and look, this is the last iteration of the SEC East and SEC West. We know the road gets a lot tougher with Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year, so this might be kind of the last chance for Lane to have some cards fall his way, maybe get to you know 10, maybe 11 wins and, and win the West. It wouldn't be crazy, but uh, final thoughts here, Stephen, as we wrap up, as we, uh, again, preview the Ole Miss Rebels heading into 2023. Um, I think you can look at after six games, if Ole Miss is 5-1 after six games, you could be looking at a potentially generational special season, honestly. Wow. And that's, that's saying something. Look, they started 7-0 and last year before things kind of fell apart. He is Stephen Willis. Check him out. Host of Locked on Ole Miss. Got you covered for all things Rebels. Uh, Stephen, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Anytime, bud. All right. That's Stephen Willis there of uh, Locked on Ole Miss, and again, we appreciate him for taking some time out with us. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers, and uh, join us tomorrow on the show as we continue our SEC previews. We're talking LSU this week, our conversation with Jaden Daniels, uh, of course, Ole Miss, and we'll continue the conversation with many, many more. This has been Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.